Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Utopia Talks, the best podcast in the world. Jaguar and KJ Baxter here uh, with a friend of the show on today. I actually think the next 45 minutes to an hour are going to be very silly. Yeah, I do. One of my favourite DJs, producers and comedians, actually. Um, a fan favourite on BBC Radio 1 Dance, played DJ sets at Park Life, Warehouse Project, Secret Garden Party. They're very mystical as well. Ooh. It's Meg Ward. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> Mystic Meg joins us. Hello, yes. Got my crystal ball here. Ready oh, yeah. for a good talk. What's, what's the energy today saying? Oh, I don't know. It's a bit chaotic today. Mm. I'm feeling a bit silly. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. Like. I don't know. I mean, I've just cracked open a, a tinny. So yeah, have a look. Two sips and I'm buzzing. Here we go. Let's go. Loose women. What? Yeah, exactly. The loose women t- this, this afternoon. I don't know what time it is. Oh, babe, who knows? Who knows? Um, got some really like big, deep questions for you. Um. And I want to start by saying, happy birthday, Miranda. (laughs) From the Shard in London. (laughs) Have you seen Meg's TikTok? Loving you. (laughs) Missing your face. No, I haven't seen this. God, straight in there. (laughs) Have you not seen it? No. It's like a really old video of this woman and her man at the top of the Shard in London. With a glass of champers and sending a video to their mate saying, Happy birthday, Miranda, from the Shard in London. <laughs> and there's just a view of the murky Thames. Oh, <laughs> God. It's so funny because it's just so cringe and I don't even know how that like got on the internet. Oh, I'm so glad it did. But Meg's done her own version. <laughs> I go back to it like, at least like once a week. <laughs> See you actually. <laughs> No, you commented on my TikTok because I put it on TikTok and you commented on it like the other day saying back here again. <laughs> I just spilled my drink everywhere because I do. You just bring, you bring joy. Oh, I was I laughing that. at your Instagram the other day where you shared a <laughs> screenshot from your Duolingo where it was teaching you how to say, are you a dog? <laughs> I was just so if, if you are a dog, you can't speak French, can you? Do I own chien? Just in case. Good to, good to uh, know. Yeah, Duolingo comes up with some random stuff. Mm. So it's yeah. a great meme opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> You're learning French. Yeah, well, I'm oui, trying to. Oui. Oui, oui, oui. Je, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> 
Sorry. <laughs> I just glitched then. <laughs> she just went like. <laughs> it's been a long time. Three podcasts on Monday. Je quoi. Yeah. Oh. Oh, in this room is our last free brain cells. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, right. First things first, how is your cat doing? She's great. Yeah, Biscoff. Yeah, a little Biscoff, little ginger Biscoff. She's fabulous, actually. Mm. How many weeks old is she? I don't know, weeks. It's like four months. Nice. Do you know like mums say like, <laughs> how many weeks? 21 weeks old. <laughs> so he's, he's two then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I'm, not, I'm, not that, I'm not at that stage with my cat, but yeah, I do feel like a mother still. Yeah. It's, it's kind of wild. Like I'm literally looking after a baby animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so cute though. And she's eight. She just cuddles me all the time, and Aww. it's great. Is it is it like therapeutic having a pet? Yeah, she's a little therapy cat for sure. It's, it's so nice. She's just lush. I'm happy for you because I mean, <laughs> you moved to London because you're from Pontefract. I am indeed in the north. Yes, and West Yorkshire. West Yorkshire. How does that song go? Hey there, Yorkshire, we which I feel love, yeah. Even though the skies are grey above, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I have this memory actually of Leeds Festival last summer. Because me and you were, Reading and Leeds, you like repeat the sets, don't you? About both things. Yeah. We were playing next to each other. And then I think you ended your Leeds set. Or maybe it was halfway through, I don't know. You just got on the mic, mic and started singing that. And then everyone was joining <laughs> in, like, hey there, Yorkshire. And it no, was, it was just going like, Yorkshire. Yeah, Yorkshire. Yorkshire. That was it. That was it. <laughs> I swear there were people in the crowd going, your shit, your shit. Nah, babe. You, you are. You are. You can't tell. <laughs> no, you are. And I think you're going to say the same thing. Terrible. <laughs> One of. My fave DJs. Yeah, oh, me too. Genuinely, you. me too. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. And an amazing producer See, as well. I feel like... I, that was one of the first things I ever said to you, actually. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, I remember. I don't know. I actually don't know if you would remember. I met you for the first time at the Mix Mag Lab. Oh, yeah. And I came over and I was like, oh, my God, I love your stuff. That's, I, I actually yeah. don't remember that. That's so <laughs> mad. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I didn't think you would because that was literally, I think that was like all I said to you. And then we oh, met again in Ibiza. Oh, but, yeah. And then we became yeah. besties. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Um, but yeah, so you, you moved on London. Was it last, this, was it this year? Last, oh God, I can't. Yeah, started this year, like started January this year. this year. Wow. Yeah, it feels like so much longer, but I'm having a bit of a mare with my um, landlord at the minute. It's oh. kicking me out. Are you serious? Yeah, not because of the cat. Um, he just wants to sell, so. That's that's a problem that's happening like all over. Yeah. That happened to me yeah. two years in a row. <clears throat> really? I was in Harringay, my house got sold. I moved to Walthamstow, my house got sold. Now I'm in Finsbury Park. Oh God. Let's hope my house doesn't get sold. Yeah. It's stressful, it's isn't gross. it? Yeah, it is. Especially finding a gap in London. It took us yeah. like ages to find one in the first place. But yeah, we'll get there in the end. Okay. You will. We'll- Still around the area I want to I be because yeah. it's just a nice little spot. Yeah. How did you fine moving to London because like did you I guess you moved here to kind of pursue music more and I guess mm. did you find more of the industry was in London or, or yeah and to be honest a lot of my friends a lot of my friends from the north moved down to London as well um, and yeah I've got a lot, lot of friends in the industry obviously here as well and it just made sense for me it was like the next move mm. it was either that or I stay in Leeds and just see the same people every weekend in the same pubs doing the same thing here there's so much going off I just want I, I really love like going out and like seeing other artists play and mm. seeing great music and London's the place to be for it it's just wicked 
Yeah. I love it. It is good. Do you feel, do you feel like settled? Do you feel like a Londoner? Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if I, I could ever feel like a Londoner. Too much Yorkshire in my veins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just asked because I remember when I, I mean, I moved on to like six, seven years ago. And I remember it took me a good like two years to like feel like, okay, this is my home. Like I feel mm. like I belong here. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I know. I, I I do feel like I belong here for now, but I'm I'm quite like I'm like a n- not a nomad, but like I like moving around and mm. stuff to different cities. But this is the most happy and content I've felt in a city ever. I think I feel like anything's possible in London. I love it. Love this energy. Yeah, it, it, it. honestly, it's magical. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <You're okay. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love London as well. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, you it's that. great. It's great. Uh, okay. So let's take it back then to your, I guess, some of your formative clubbing experiences. Because if you know Meg, like we know Meg, she's, she loves a party. But not that, like, you're like, like crazy. Like, you're just fun. You're just mm-hmm. fun to be around. Love and I feel that. like on a night out, good vibes. Yeah. yeah. So where does this come from? Take us back to those. Um, I just love music and yeah. I love I love lo- losing myself in the music that I'm with and I love experiencing that with my mates. So mm. I've always done that ever since I was allowed to go out and experience dance music or any sort of music. I used to go to like see bands when I was like 14 and yeah, I've just always loved just being in a room full of people listening to the same music. Mm-hmm. Literally people's brainwaves like sync up when you're listening to music it's like neuroscience it's crazy because she's also a psychologist (laughs) ladies and gentlemen (laughs) let's not forget that yeah yeah, everyone gets literally on the same wavelength when they're in the same room full of people who are listening to the same music your brave waves waves sync up brave waves (laughs) wow that's cool so where were you going out in those when you were saying you were were not to see bands when you were 14 you were like I was a teenager where Um, and who I used to, I was really into pop punk and like um, that sort of scene, indie scene, listening to like Blink-182, like Yumi at Six, All Time Low, 1975, mm-hmm. Paramore, Paramore, yeah, oh, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, and then I got into dance music probably around 16 when I went to Leeds Fest for the first mm. time. And it was my first ever festival, first time ever experiencing anything that was like close to a rave and went into Radio 1 Dance Tent and saw Ronnie Mack uh, DJ and it was like best experience of my life. <laughs> oh my God. And then like the same like festival and went to see Knife Party. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's something a little bit iconic about Meg's first time at Knife Party. <laughs> Do you share? The reason I know Meg went to see Knife Party is because my favourite tweet ever was a quote tweet from Meg. And the, the original tweet that she was quote tweeting is from 30th of August 2015. And all it says is, is a re- it's a really shaky video. Like, all these lights. And it says, Knife Party are best people I've ever seen live. It doesn't even say are oh, the best. It's like, Knife Party are best people I've ever seen live. What time was this? Oh, that was a half three in the afternoon <laughs> Meg still quote, up quote tweets it um, like about a year ago saying the reason behind this being the best thing I've ever seen live was because this was the first time I dropped a pin 
<laughs> it genuinely was. I Relatable such, content. Yeah, that day, actually, I had such a traumatic day because I had this like bucket hat that I bought and somebody, I was I was at like Hannah Wants or something and we were like, oh, it's Duke Dumont. We were stood outside of the tent and dancing and some random geezer just picked my bu- bucket hat off me head and chucked it into the crowd. And I turned around Aww. like, what's going on? And then I just burst into tears. <laughs> I was only like... 16, 17, 16, 17. Yeah. Um, and I just went back to the tent and I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do something crazy. But I actually, we already had the pingers and we were already going to try them for the first time. I was like, yes, I'm doing it now. I did it. Went to knife fight. Had best night of my life, obviously. <laughs> that is, you don't forget moments like that, do you? Oh, you don't, you don't, you don't forget your first festival as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a place for especially as like a young person if you're like 16 to like you're literally like on your own you can like go and be wild and free mm-hmm. like mm. my first festival was boardmasters when i was 15 and i'd i'd all like my me- most prominent memory is like getting there they're like 10 of us the suit like um the adult supervising us was like my friend's older sister who was 21 and her boyfriend and obviously they wanted nothing to do we didn't even see them so we're basically on our own I remember just downing loads of vodka and like boost energy drinks <laughs> putting up the tent and then just like running like, like running into boardmasters and that's like all I remember um okay early rave days so yeah so you're going out Leeds Festival and then I guess you started DJing at uni and that was in Newcastle yeah so I went to uni um at 18 um to study pharmacology and then just got into raving and like I think I went to cosmic ballroom for the first time like the first year of uni and I was like wow this is ace Mm -hmm. I think I was seeing like Jamie Duggan or someone and it was just like the maddest experience like I'd obviously been to festivals and seen it in that light but being in a club experience and cosmic if you know it, Cosmic Ballroom in Newcastle is so like magical. It's um, it w- it was at the time anyway, just such a like a cultural staple in Newcastle, and it was ace. And it was just um, yeah, where I fell in love with dance music and just w- looking at the DJs, and I was like, oh, I want to do that. Mm. <laughs> so I just started selling tickets for the the um, the promotion company, uh, Ill Behaviour. And like Apex, they still run loads of events in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They still run loads of events in Newcastle now. I'm not too sure if Ill Behaviour's still going, but yeah, I got, I went, I went and uh, sold a load of tickets for them. And then one day I was like, yeah, I DJ too. And they're like, yeah, let's get you on. And then I became a resident with them. And then that's how I, uh, yeah, got to where I am, I guess. (laughs) Wow. I mean, you're being very humble about that because obviously a lot of hours, a lot of hard work. Producing as well. When yeah. did you start producing? Um, probably like a year, two years after getting into DJing. I got Ableton, but I didn't really um, properly... Like, I made my, I released my first tune on SoundCloud. It's like a crappy um, edit of Nelly Furtado. It's still probably my most played track on SoundCloud. <laughs> People love Nelly. Yeah, well, this is it. Um, yeah, promiscuous girl it was. And um, yeah, I just, that was in like 2018. So yeah, so it was like a year, nearly two years after I started DJing. Mm. Um, and I didn't really start properly understanding like Ableton and getting into it all properly until like probably like lockdown, to be honest. But um yeah, I still released tunes and they still did well. So. 
I mean, from talking to producers and artists on this podcast, it seems like it doesn't really matter whether you know exactly what you're doing. Like, for example, Lapsley, who we had on, she said she made those first few tunes that some of, you know, like Station, Brownlow, Valentine, maybe Painter on GarageBand. And she didn't know what she was doing. She mixed it herself. And then like her manager at the time was like, let's get these mastered. Like, I feel, it feels that the music is, if it just, you're feeling it. And then it's like coming out in its purest form. I agree, actually. I mean, in, yeah, like for me, what I, what I meant by like, yeah, the getting into the able and is getting at like probably thinking of a sound and then being able to translate that onto thing because a lot of the t- onto onto my music, mm. but a lot of the time I was um, just going with any sound that I'd heard and made, and that was honestly what I kind of miss doing. Like the beauty of it, I still do it every now and again, to be honest, but. Um, yeah, the beauty of just like finding something and just going with it and then just getting that, catching that feeling. It's right. It's it's literally, yeah, it's it's like the the, the thing that you capture is, yeah, I, I can't think of the word. <laughs> no, I get you. Very, it sounds very like free. Yeah, that's free. Yeah. And yeah. Do you still feel free when you make music? Or do you think about it a lot more now? I think about it a lot more, mm. but I still feel free. It's like a different, it's almost like, a business side of it now rather than like I think about the biz like is this going to work am I going to release this when should I get this to so and so what label should I get this to but I still feel free when I'm making it Mm. and then it's just the afterthoughts I guess so it's still like yeah it's it's hard and it's the business of it all yeah I mean it's it's annoying because if you make music as an artist these days it's so much more even the actual act of making the art is like the smallest part. Mm-hmm. There's so many other bits on there. Do you feel the pressure to be kind of this all-encompassing artist, content maker, DJ, everything? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's completely different. It's not just, you can't just put your music out there and expect it to do well. You've got to do everything else with it. You've got to do all the PR, you've got to do all the content, 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 content. But um I, I enjoy doing it. I feel like it's a part of who I am anyway. Um, before I was a DJ, I was, like my Instagram page, I used to use to make memes and I, <laughs> I deleted all of them, but I used to make memes and um, I'll show you some at some point. They're really funny. I can't wait for those. I mean, memes are in. Memes are life. No, no, these are like really cheesy Instagram memes. Oh. <laughs> Live, laugh, love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty I mean, much. I, I have to say... I just feel like living, laughing, loving, surely that is the, that is the, of the essence of life. Do you think live, it's laugh, so love true. will come back round? Has it not already? tattooed on them again. It's back. Like, we were in the club like not long ago and I was just kept going up to you now and again and going, live, laugh, love. <laughs> <laughs> that was, we've had some silly times, but my friend... Me and Meg, it was at Trade. Oh, that was, was it, the you night about I that couldn't night? come to. Trade? Was that the night? The was it Trade? At Egg. Egg, yeah. Yeah, Trade's like a legendary, like, old London night and they do, like, a yearly, like, party these days. And, yeah, me and Meg, yeah, you didn't, you missed out on a silly... Silly, silly. Silly season. But, hey, <laughs> we're thinking... Silly Girl Summer. Yeah. <laughs> and let's continue that vein. So, living, loving, loving, <laughs> producing, DJing. Yeah, how did you find it as like a resident DJ? Yeah, um, 
Do you know what? That's a tricky one because I loved it at the time and it really taught me how to DJ and understand how to DJ and the whole culture and even etiquette behind DJ and and making sure, like, being a resident DJ, you're there to make the sort of the headliner look good, if Mm. anything. Obviously, you're still there to do a great set, but you're ultimately there to make sure that it's all set up perfectly for the headliner. And... um, that was great, and I've lo- I love doing that, and it's taught me so much. Um, but now, I I've, I feel like I'm only just coming out of learning how to be the headliner rather than the resident, because a lot of the time as well, when I'm playing in front uh, in in a big lineup full of uh, lots of different acts, lots of different styles, I sometimes try and fit into their styles, even like even if I'm the headliner and they're like, it's like a co-headlining thing or a big festival lineup where it doesn't really matter if the vibe changes. But yeah, I just, I have found it quite difficult to come out of being a resident DJ rather than being a headliner because mm. I've never really, yeah, I've, it's, it's been really hard to get, yeah. They're different, aren't they? I, I know what you mean because I had a similar route like, I didn't necessarily have a residency per se, but when I was at uni in Leeds, like I was just DJing like all the time. But yeah, like on bills, like warming up for people. And mm-hmm. I think because I, okay, right. So there's different routes in DJing, aren't there? Yeah. And like you can never really predict when things are, <clears throat> when things are going to take off. Yeah. Everyone's on their own journey. Yeah. But I do think, and call this a hot take, if you will, to be a good DJ takes years of like doing it, learning your craft, learning how to set up a room, learning when to turn it up, when to turn it down, how to do a headline slot, how to do a warm-up slot, how to do a closing slot, uh, how to do an all-night-long set. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the craft of it. Mm-hmm. I do think that takes a long time. Like Beyond the technical abilities of being able to beat match, like I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about the vibe yeah i know exactly Those are yeah my thoughts. yeah i agree and to be honest i obviously learning that through being a resident really helped me really helped me but it's it's coming through and then like doing doing these like great sets warming up still for these other bigger acts now um and then just coming in and slamming it and not really caring about the vibe of the they're just playing that fastest tune they're going up 10 bpm straight away and just they don't really care but yes the the crowd seem to love it now as well and i think it is a lot like to do with the, the way that clubbing culture in general has changed recently uh, especially since lockdown um everyone's there to take a video everyone's there to get their moment uh to put it on tiktok to put it on instagram it's just like yeah it's 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 less about feeling the journey of the night and more about seeing the headliner. Yeah. Um, which is, it's, yeah. And playing like a headliner now, it's, um, I've sort of, sort of found myself doing, like taking a leaf out of their books almost and like not really caring about the, the vibe of the night, especially, I mean, at festivals, I definitely don't care about the vibe of the night, but like in, in the clubs when it's like, it's it's a bit more important, isn't it? But mm. yeah, it's a hard one, and it's something we've spoken about before. And it's I, yeah, I feel I feel like it's interesting because festivals you can have normally an hour slot, for example, like like a park life. You can have an hour slot, and yeah. there's like ten of you on all day or whatever on a stage. 
and you have to figure out how to you know give especially at a festival these days it's like am I gonna play like fun edits people know have those moments but then also sticking to what you your credibility and your integrity and authenticity and then there's things like time of day mm-hmm. who you are before and after um there's lots of things to think about on that there is there is I uh I was actually at Leeds Fest last year and I was DJing like the after hours bit. So I was going a bit harder. Uh, I think I was like the second person on. There was someone on after me. And the guys on after me, uh, I was playing a song at like 126, 128 BPM. And they uh, come up to me and was like, are you all right to uh, play a slower song? We don't, um, we don't play, we don't play this fast. Oh, wow. But it was a festival. And yeah, it's... yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's not even fast. No, yeah, that was, I was, not even I was fast. thinking that. Yeah, it's I, like what I was they, playing quite yeah. respectfully, and yeah. um, obviously trying to build whatever the night and everything. And yeah, I was just like, "Oh, right, okay." I want to know who that is. <laughs> I'll tell you after. Okay. <laughs> uh, In fact, I don't remember the name. I don't remember the name. Oh well, clearly they're not <laughs> worth worrying about. But that's rude. I yeah, mm. and it's mad as well because obviously with it being a festival set, you, you, if if you don't like the vibe yeah. of the person on before you, just stop the music, give them a clap, and put your own music on. Like it's not even that hard, really. But yeah, were they male? Yes, of course. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. interesting. I've I've had that. I've had that a few times. Yeah, I've had it a fair few times, but that was my main one. That I was like, really. <laughs> I've had here's one for you. I went to New. It was actually in Newcastle. Uh, and I played the gig wasn't it wasn't a great gig if I'm honest it was just you know and you just go all that way and then there's just like not many people there and you're like okay okay Mm. people there though were having a good time but anyway yeah um the guys on after me were the residents for the night and literally I had like 10 minutes left and I could just feel the duo I could feel them both like so close to me like couldn't wait to get on the decks. And I was like, okay, chill out, guys. Shut the USBs in, whatever. Like, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to do this. Get it over with, leave. USB in. And then they're really like, literally, I played my last tune at like, I don't know, four minutes two. And straight away, he starts mixing out of my tune. And there's like four minutes left of my one hour slot. And I was just like, can you not wait for me? I was meant to be headlining as well, which was even more annoying. And then... Right, did that, kind of put like muscled me out the way. And then he played a tune. My USB is still in the thing because my music's still connected. Played a tune that was on my USB that was lined up on the decks. Which was, he played a tune. He played my tune. Like, Wait, what? One of my tunes. And I was like, huh? Excuse me. Was he like fucked, do you think? I don't think so, but he was arrogant. Oh, it was duo. It was mainly this guy it was a real problem. And I was like, where am I? Like, how did this happen? No, that's so I weird. Wait, did I show you that? No, I don't think so. <laughs> that's so weird. I've been doing that all the time recently. <laughs> Literally, is this that, is, is where I'm being like, I don't know anything about Taylor Swift. I don't care about it. But if I ever see that tree. <laughs> Why are you that? Yeah, it'll get you it's guys. It's rude, though. Like, it's really, really mm. rude. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. I've, I've had certain experiences like that, too. And it's just, it is always when 
it's in a small club as well or like it's always the men and it's yeah it's always the case Hmm. it's yeah imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, speaking of festivals and stuff, and we've already mentioned Parklife, me and you had a chat at Parklife about um, how you have stopped doing coke. Yes. How did that come Buzzing. about and how has that affected things for you? Honestly, I, I feel like for the longest time I was just doing it because it was there. I didn't buy it. I, I didn't, I, I wasn't like, um, I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I had a problem because I weren't buying it. Uh, and then, yeah, I was just like, it was like every show I'd be at, there'd be somebody like feeding it to me and I would be like, well, why, why am I doing this? And then I'm asking them all the night because all night to have more and more and yeah, because that's what it's like. And um, that's how I felt. And then I'd just be up until 5am in a kitchen and it, it makes me quiet. It doesn't even make me chatty. Mm. It like does the opposite for me. It makes me go in, my, in on myself and um, yeah. And I just wake up with like the, oh, like the horriblest feelings, like the mass- maddest come downs for no reason. And um, it just, it sunk in. Actually, it was on New Year's Eve. I was fiending for it um, at Warehouse Project. And then I woke up the next day and I was like, why am I doing this? Like, yeah. I literally downloaded the app that day and was like, yeah, I'm serious about it and not touched it since and I don't want to. And it's like, if somebody comes up to me now and says, oh, do you want some? I'm like, I actually don't. Like, mm. it's it feels so much better now. And that's nice to feel that as like a genuine feeling of like, I actually, like, I'm not even resisting something. I genuinely like don't want that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think for me, it was re- it's really easy thing to quit because of the fact that it doesn't even make me like myself. Like a lot of people, yeah. it makes them like a chattier, more fun version of themselves, but I'm the opposite. So it, it was, it's quite, and when it came to it, it was an easy decision. When I, when it summit clicked, I think, yeah. and I was like, yeah, no, never doing that again. <laughs> but do you feel like it's something that the industry does have a problem with or? Massively, massively. It's everywhere. Mm. Yeah. I feel like any green room you go into in any club situation, even if you're the, uh, the, the, the only person who's a guest there and it's, the rest of them are residents it'll be out everywhere mm. it's, there's always something going around um, and for me for the longest time it was just the temptation of it being there um, but yeah I think I just I grew up a bit and <laughs> grew out of it and realised that it's not good for me but it's it, it, people can hack it and mm. I see people and they, they, they go, they're at it all the time and they love it but 
um yeah it's just not for me <laughs> I feel like you have so much energy when you DJ anyway you're yeah. always like dancing around like, I, re- full of... <laughs> I remember like, you love it you do genuinely love it I do I do and like I remember at Secret Garden Party I was doing like a, a little set in the the radio van it's like Secret, Secret FM Secret FM yeah. van uh and I turned around to my mate and I was like do you know what adrenaline is just the best drug ever yeah, <laughs> you're right though. It is, and I was like, "There's no other feeling like it. Like being playing a show. Like I, I never touch any sort of substance apart from a few tinnies when I'm DJing anyway, because I just love the feeling it gives mm. you. Like, I think some of my favorite gigs have been when I've been sober. Yeah, same. Completely sober. I think there was a bank holiday two years ago. I did. The, I had five shows, and I was like, okay. Deep breath. Be good. And I'm not going to drink anything. I didn't drink anything. And it was just such a buzz. Particularly field day, I did a set. It was like opening the stage and then it kind of filled up and just, just, all my friends were there, it was fab. And then just the euphoria. If anything, you feel it more. Like the alcohol doesn't give you that. Mm -hmm. If anything, it dulls. It dulls. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It does. It's so magical. I always have like a non-alcoholic beer when I'm on my own as well. Love a non-alc. Love, love a non-alc. I think, I do think to be fair, like sober DJing has become a bit more like talked about recently. I've, yeah. I've seen mm. a lot more people doing, like speaking out about it and it's it's great to see, but I, I think if, like 10 years ago, different story. Like if you weren't partying, you'd be like, what the, f- what, what, what are you? Like, what are mm. you doing? You're not a real DJ. But yeah, it's different now. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because this also just, it's like, unhealthy. It is. Yeah. I want to live to a, you know, till I'm a wrinkly old prune of a hundred and something. You know, <laughs> I can see that. I can see <laughs> that. I, I, those little I, kids I, on my porch. <laughs> Still doing the podcast. Sometimes when you say like, what, um, what was it you were saying about like, um, oh, like you're of a different generation to me. <laughs> it's like five years younger than you, like left. Is that what she says to you as well? Yeah, just already she's speaking as if like you're like three years older. 60. She's like, oh, you keep me young. <laughs> I'm like the mum from Mean Girls. Um, what I also love about you, Meg, is not just your zest for life <laughs> and your love of jeans. No, but you, you work hard, you know, and you've been doing all this like you know you've you've got a master's in psychology all the yeah. while when you were producing your music and like getting all this traction playing shows getting paid on the radio you know you have a day job and you balance all this stuff you've always like had so many things going on at the same time yeah um how do you find that i mean i'm very i'm very ADHD anyway so i love doing those things at once so when I'm, I shouldn't be telling, saying this if my boss hears, but like if I'm doing work um, at my job, my day job, and then I'm like, every, every now and again, I'll just go on my laptop and make a song and then come back and then make the song again. And then, yeah, I just like doing loads of things at once. And to be honest, it pays my bills. It's a secure thing that I never really, I, I, I thought I would be fine without. Um, but then I had a weird time like a couple of years ago I don't know it was like just after lockdown like yeah like a couple of years ago um where I had to like go on universal credit because I lost my job in mental health because well I got made redundant because they didn't need me anymore because I was working like bank zero hour contracts so they yeah they didn't need me anymore pretty much and I was like well I can't do this so there was this 
small part of time where I didn't have a job, I didn't didn't know what to do. I only had DJ and that wasn't really paying the bills at that time. So now I'm just I'm not going to do it until I'm not going to take the dive into just doing DJing until I'm fully ready. And for me, I think finan- being financially stable is something that I really I I I need because I've never really had that when I was younger. Like from a working class background, never really came from anything. Um, my mum always struggled for money, so it's just nice to like have that job and that bit of security because I'm never really struggling for money. Then mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah, I completely see that, um, and I think it's also just sensible to like yeah. have make sure you've got enough money to live, and also I think. It's also the fact that because you've you've like spoken about it a bit on on Twitter and you've been honest about it. I think it's good because you're. I think it's amazing to see you being honest about. You know, it's not all like sunshine and rainbows being a DJ and like no. You still <laughs> the fact that you still like have a, a day job. You know, it's, you're still yeah. not fully like paying your bills with music. Exactly. Well, the thing is, um, yeah, I feel like I use my day job because I work three days a week. I've been lucky enough to go part time recently, which has been great. Uh, I work three days a week and that pays for my rent and bills and then I can use the rest of my money that I earn from music to invest back into music rather than spend it on my rent yeah. which would pain me at the minute because I'm not like touring the world like doing so many shows like I need I'd need a couple more shows a month to, to be able to fund that mm. so at the minute I'm, I'm happy and I enjoy my job as well it's chilling great I just sell body armor it's absolutely fine <laughs> We'll go to you for all body armor needs. Yeah, yeah. Any bulletproof vests you need. That's great. Good to know. <laughs> um, but yeah, but you've you've spoken about it a lot online. And what do you think are the barriers for working class people trying to make it into creative industries? Yeah, um, there are massive barriers. I think, and I feel like in my situation, I was a perfect example. Like I'm having to do like. Um, my job, I, I only just got out of a load of debt from lockdown recently because my mum, my mum, my parents couldn't support me. They don't have like, they, they have to pay their own bills and stuff. And, um, they know I've never really had a, a bit of a, like a trust, like fund or like anything, any sort of like support from family. So it's, yeah, because, because of that, I've not got like my mum saying, oh, it's fine. Quit your job. You've got enough. You've got enough money. If, if, you, if you ever like run short, I've got I've got you there because I, I lend my mum money sometimes. Like I have to look mm. after her as well. Um, and I feel like that's massive difference compared to someone who's come from uh, a bit well be- better off background. Um, somebody who has had their parents I don't know, build them a studio spot spot them buying their first pair of decks all that sort of, I use my student loan to buy my first pair of decks um, and I use my student loan to buy Ableton as well which is great and I used it <laughs> instead of I just eat beans on toast and buy my student loan um, yeah anyway I think there are a lot of barriers in that sort of stuff it's just financially mainly mm. and also yeah the contacts of understanding how to run a business and stuff. And um, it's harder when your parents aren't really great with money as well to understand your own money. So it's it's a lot of learning. And it's just that little leg up that other people have that you don't have, which I feel like, yeah, mm. it should, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Are there any ways that you would like to see the industry like change in order to help people more? Like has anyone, have you seen any initiatives or anything that are good? Sure, yeah. Uh, there, there are a few. Um, I never really saw them when I was learning um, or in getting into music, but 
there's loads of stuff for especially for women and non-binary people and every um like other minor minorities it's really the just what you do jag is great as well what you were doing Oh, the Future One Thousand. Yeah, 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 initiative. Yeah, yeah. that was like kind. Of, that's similar. It's a bit for minorities. Yeah. yeah, that's free. Um, and I know um, there's an, of a few other stuff. Like I feel like Pioneer do some bits and bobs, don't they? Mm. Um, but it's hard to find. To be honest, there should be there, more. There should be more. You know, mm. and I think this is something that I don't think is spoken about enough. In music, we talk, you know, we we all talk about minorities a lot, and I feel like sometimes, a lot of the time, class is not spoken about enough. Yeah, you know, and I like I I recognize I've come from quite a privileged background. I'm from the Channel Islands, and I went to a boarding school. Which I mean, I went to a boarding school till I was sixteen. No, I didn't. That's not true. That is true. Till I was sixteen. Water. And then I, you know, <laughs> then I went to college. Um actually way preferred life at college but that's another story yeah but I recognize that having like the my parents being able to do that and get me to a private education and have I guess a, a leg up where you know you have more attention in school and I guess there's you know you have more skills that other people might not have fully recognize that and, and the more you know what's crazy is in the music industry the more people you meet I can like spot them from a mile away. And there's a lot, there's a lot of people, I'd say majority of people in the music industry have had privileged upbringings. hundred percent. And no shade on them. Some people definitely lie about it for sure. <laughs> um, whatever. But I think we need to talk about this because I think the reason why is because it's really hard to break into because you do a lot of things for free or you need to have a day job as well. Or if, or if you don't you need to have funds to support yourself, make sure your rent is paid, make sure there's food on the table. A lot of people don't have that. Yeah. And so they can't actually achieve their dreams or get into music or it's creativity. Literally, it's as simple as, as well. Like people get to move back with their parents and they don't have to pay rent. Um, to then pursue like writing music and then going out and like a lot I mean a lot of people from well off backgrounds don't get to do that but it is majority of the case the people who do get to move back with their parents mm. are people who are from decent backgrounds who have a nice house to go back mm. to so uh, yeah it's 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 harder to think that I've got to pay like rent and everything and these people have got their parents these people these why are you on these people <laughs> they've, they've got yeah they they obviously get a lot of stuff handed to them and it's and I, I'm not sad or like mad at them I'm just it's just one of those things isn't it mm. really it's uh, something to be sort of jealous of to be fair um but yeah, I mean, I'm happy from where I've, I'm really happy and proud of where I've come from. And um, everyone in the village loves me. So I bet they do. <laughs> Guest list for life. And again, the village. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's a credit to you as well that you've, that you've overcome any of those problems as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of hurdles that happen in the music industry are a lot as well. But then you've got the life hurdles as well. Yeah. Bow, bow, bow. Mm. But it's it's good and it, it makes you realise what you're doing is actually what you love and it's what you're really passionate about. Yeah. And it's what you truly, really want to do because you're fucking trying hard to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I already loved you, but now I love you even more. So <laughs> I love that. Um, we love the we... only gay in the village. <laughs> we do. Well, speaking of only gay in the village, you know, like genuinely growing up queer, 
in a small town were you the only gay in the village I uh, well I didn't come out um until I was like 16 um no about 17 fair no I didn't come out in college no I came, out, I came out in uni yeah so it was it, there was a lot of homophobes in my area um the, the village there's a there's a lot of people that, from school that have come out now but nobody came out in school there wasn't oh a single God. out person same in my school, my school. Yeah. Same. and now I see people at London Pride and I'm like wait what are you doing here oh fruity that's your girlfriend <laughs> oh fair enough yeah <laughs> yeah it's so weird I feel like it's, it's a lot more open now um you see a lot more like gay kids now which is great mm. then we were never not there they're just more there's more space for them now which is lovely yeah do you do you feel like you've been influenced by a queer scene maybe not in um, that sense because there probably wasn't a queer scene for you growing up yeah no not really I mean I love it's it's hard because obviously all dance music is queer music and it's um and yeah, it's and I've always loved like going to Pride and stuff when I was younger. Um, but yeah, in terms of like the dance queer scene, there's not really that much in like Yorkshire. There's a couple of gay nights in Leeds that play good music. Um, but in Newcastle, it was just like the standard gay clubs playing Lady Gaga, yeah. all that. It was. It's, it's. It's only really since coming to London that I've really started experiencing like good mm. queer culture. Um, but maybe I went to the wrong places when I was in the north. Yeah, Leeds does. Lo- Leeds has like Love Muscle, Drip, uh, Drip, Drip. Yeah, oh, I'm trying to think. All the nights. Oh, I don't know if Chunk was Chunk place when you were there. Did you ever go to Chunk? No, maybe it's gone. No. I'd never heard of Love Muscle either. Oh, Love Muscle. Is that Wolf? Do you know Wolf Chambers? Yeah. Yeah, that pl- that's a little spot, that. That is a spot. It's like a mem- you got to pay like a quid for a membership and then... Yeah. It's great. There's <laughs> some really good queer nights there. Oh, that's ace. Um, and yeah, London, I feel like we are sport for choice. And London, it's just very rich, isn't it, in London? And like there's the queer scene is massive here and kind of nuanced and there's different intersections and... I don't know. You can listen to any genre of music and go to a queer night. Mm. Whereas I think going up north, it's a bit more hit and miss yeah. on what music it is. So yeah, I just went to the music I wanted to go see. I didn't really think about the queer culture, which is kind of sad because mm. I feel like I've got more gay friends now than I've ever had, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. I feel like something that has inspired you, which is very clear in your music, is acid. Yes. Tell us about that. She's got an acid tattoo on the old yeah, house forearm. Yeah. I love, um, yeah, the 303. It's an iconic um, synth. Just makes the acid sound. It's just something about it. Like a little squelchy. Yeah. <laughs> I actually loved the acid mix that you put on your SoundCloud a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That's I, amazing. Thank you. I mean, I, that's what I'm trying to do at the moment. I'm just trying to put loads of music out that I love and try and show people what I'm about. Um, sort of play stuff that I like, really enjoy playing and stuff that's going back to my roots as well. Because I've been a fan of Acid House. I'm obsessed with the origin story of Acid House. It's just so interesting. Um, what is in like the, uh, the Acid House raves? Or do you mean oh, is it how the sound was made? The raves and, and the sound, yeah. yeah. How the yeah, how the two because Acid House raves, they were like the illegal raves mm. in in on the eighties and stuff, like the late eighties mm. and then but the this sound came from like them it's like the, the synthesizers are fake um 
bass guitar synth and then they were just it got pretty much discontinued because it was it was so bad at replicating a bass guitar mm. and then they just um this these two guys <sighs> wasn't it like an accident that they yeah made yeah, the yeah and they, they started just... making it and they're like oh do that do yeah. that and they're like oh that's sick how mad is <laughs> that? that yeah so sick what's their names acid house made by future and dj pierre yeah yeah nice. those guys that's yeah they're literally yeah it's just such an interesting story i've watched so many documentaries on it and i wish i was kind of alive around then just so i could experience the mm-hmm. the nuance of that sound because i don't think any anything since for me has like been such a, a def- defining sound um that's like come about really i mean maybe the m1 organ do you know, like the show me love mm-hmm. like that's quite iconic as well but i don't think anything really comes around like like now that's You're like gonna an be the iconic next sound. Person to make a make sound. something. You want to like create a synth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shall I? Yeah. Yeah, why not? I'll put my money on you. Okay. Me too, actually. Yeah. What well, you've got new music coming out, right? Yeah, and that's actually like an ode to Acid House. And nice. Like, um it, the whole idea behind it is literally me being obsessed with the origin story of Acid House. Sick. And I used AI actually <gasps> to make the vocal. Okay. How and what what does it sound like? What did you do? Um, it's 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 just like spoken word. It's this guy talking about going to a club. So I just wrote the lyrics. He was like talking about going to a club and asking about. Um, uh, he's like asked somebody what this sound is, and somebody said, "Oh, they call it acid." The song's called "They Call It Acid," and it's, I literally just wrote the lyrics and then just found this guy, AI voice that sounded most similar to like an American Chicago guy and. Yeah. Cool. And copied it and put it into the song. Oh my god, I cannot wait to hear that. You've um you've done spoken word stuff before, haven't you? On yeah. The last release. Yeah, with my own voice, yeah. Yeah. How um, was that? How like I love the track, but how was it for you, like writing that? Was it something you've always wanted to do? Have you been secretly doing spoken word for years and no one's known? <laughs> was it a new thing? So I really like writing poetry. Yeah. Um it's a it's one way of like getting my uh, feelings on the page and still like being quite creative as like a creative output. It's quite it's a really nice form of therapy for me. And I was feeling really down uh, one day um, and I wrote the poem just expressing my feelings. I lost a friend. Uh, she passed away quite like like a, a year ago and it was around that time. And yeah, I just I just got my feelings down and I was like, like saying it. And yeah. And then I wrote the song and I was like, do you know what? I'm going to I'm going to say this poem over it. And it works really well. Yeah, so it's a it's yes. quite a sad. Yeah, um, but kind of nice. Yes. Yeah. Very. And something a bit different, which I enjoyed. Yeah, you don't really get much spoken word in dance music, and just emotion as well. But you like, correct me if I'm wrong. You come. You have like a musical background in terms of instruments. Well, I, I played the trumpet. I, I, trum- I was I, I played the trumpet until I was like. 14 and then I quit Trumpet. and then I started playing rugby and I got obsessed with rugby rugby yeah really yeah it's a rugby player I didn't know why is, why is that, that the same I'm a pocket energy. rocket why is that same energy <laughs> playing the trumpet and playing rugby <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the musical version isn't it yeah it's same. rugby league as well <laughs> same thing yeah I was yeah but you're the so little po- small yeah pocket rocket <laughs> wow I, I wasn't clicking that but Okay. Um, 
Oh, is there more? Is there more? You're about to say some, there's more. Um, no. And then I taught myself guitar as well. There it is. When I wanted to be cooler. Mm. Um, so I played, I played the trumpet until, and then I did music at GCSE and they were like, you either need to play trumpet or you need to sort yourself out and do something else. And I was like, first I'll just learn how to play guitar. And I did that and used to do little performances in school. It was really cute. I've got a really traumatic experience though from when I was in school. And <laughs> this guy like who was like a really good guitar player played, um, my music teacher asked him to tune the guitar before I went on stage. He tuned it, but he tuned it into the wrong key. And I went on stage with my mate who was singing played the whole song and it was so out of key oh. and I was just stood there like I can't do anything I've just got to carry on playing and the whole time I was like rah, rah, rah. that must have sounded and your friend trying to sing as well like <laughs> yeah so she sounded really off key I was like this core memory still was that a school talent show or something um, it was just like a showcase of music <laughs> oh. I, everyone's parents were there all teachers oh, were there no. one of my maths teacher the next day came up to me and was like uh, I'd finish my work and be like, it was like, you are right, everything in, everything in tune, everything in key. <gasps> and I was literally looked at him like, that's so, that's so mean. <laughs> yeah, literally. Do you remember horrible. what the song was? Um, yes. What was it? <laughs> Go on. Go on. It was Miley Cyrus Wrecking Ball. <laughs> oh my God. Oh no. That's a big song. Yeah. Especially the vocal, Jesus. Oh, bless her. I don't think she could sing it that well anyways. <laughs> wow. No, she had a great voice. <laughs> um, back to your music. Well, that's my music. <laughs> yeah, how it's an interesting one, isn't it? Releasing music. We kind of touched on it. There's so many things to think about and like, how's this going to be received or what's the next thing and from what I understand, as someone who doesn't release music, never say never, but currently, no. Um, it feels like artists kind of try and release consistently to kind of keep the... Keep it ticking over. Keep it ticking over. Like but then that also... Engagement. Yeah. But that creates a huge pressure for the artist to create tracks, especially mm -hmm. like tracks the best tracks right because you're like on this conveyor belt of making tunes yeah do you ever feel that for sure um but i tend not to just for i just don't force it and i just if i haven't got music i haven't got music um because my creativity comes and goes and i could have a month where i can't make a single song and it really stresses me out or i just stop and wait until that like creativity comes and as soon as it comes it's like I'll make five songs in a day. Like mm. it's, um, yeah, I feel like creativity is a weird one in general. You can't just force it. And if you do, you make rubbish music. Yeah. And I think, yeah, getting inspired by it, uh, by things, um, is so random for me. I get inspired by so many different things and none of it really makes sense. I'll just like be going for a walk and I'll be like, oh, this tree is lovely. I'm going to make a song. <laughs> tree hugging yeah i made a song about a magpie once um so I, I actually it's released it's called i made acquaintance with a magpie and it's literally about this magpie that was always outside my door in newcastle when i was having my morning sig while i was like during exam season at uni and i wrote a song of mine god yeah that's so poetic <laughs> yeah, that's such so a poet you are <laughs> that was I, random anyway i don't know why i mentioned that no, <laughs> it's the tinny babe um <laughs> 
I guess with your music, where do you want to take it sonically? Um, sonically, I want to um, just carry on expressing myself. I don't really have a specific genre that I've always made, but I do like the more left field stuff now and the more club ready, heavy stuff, uh, like faster beats. Um, a lot of like trancey sounds mixed with like garagey sounds, big basses, um, lots of break beats as well. I think for me, it's just a mashup of everything because mm. I love everything. I'm not like such a, I'm not a genre snob. That's like, why I love your DJ sets. Love that. Mm. And tunes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just, I just, I make whatever feels right at the time and I release whatever feels right at the time. I don't know if that's good for me as an artist in creative direction terms or anything like that, but I feel like it's what's good for me as a like, person. And that's really important as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree about the DJ sets. I think, yeah, it's so fun at your sets because you're just like, you don't know where it's going to go next. <laughs> and I think that's one of my favourite things mm-hmm. when I'm seeing a DJ rather than them just like playing two hours of stuff that kind of oh, blurs you know. in. You know yeah. what I mean? Not like that one, all the same song type thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like I really felt that when you just released that um, Ashanti edit. Yeah, which I love by yeah. the Thank way. But I was just like, where's this come from? This is <laughs> like random but amazing. Yeah, that was a bit random, but I love that. Mm. Yeah, I just I just make what I feel and yeah. tell you what I feel at the time because it is it's an expression of who you are, isn't it? Music, like yeah. I don't. I don't yeah, I don't. I don't know. For me, I'm I'm like twenty personalities all in one. So, it, for some people, it's just a black and white, easy. You can make how you're feeling, um, and that's how you feel all the time. But for me, it's not. I just yeah. make random stuff. Mm. I think we're coming towards the end. I'm gonna ask. Sorry for Callan. For what? Callan. Callan. Oh, that's the Yorkshire. Um, what does that mean? Talking. Oh well. I'm glad you've been talking. Calling <laughs> too much. Sorry for party rocking. <laughs> Never apologize. Final question for you. Your utopia. Oh. Take us there. So my version of utopia. Well, I actually don't believe in utopia. <laughs> oh, Grimes again. Not oh, it's again. a reference. <laughs> mm, Sorry. She's good. Um, utopia talks reference. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, my version of utopia is just it's just never going to happen, I don't think, because there's too many twats in the world. But just no oppression, no bigots, no... Everyone is just equal and they're doing what they want. It's pretty cliche. Everyone's happy. And there's only good tunes. Nobody's allowed to release crap tunes. And there's somebody who decides it. <gasps> is that you? Are you the person who decides? Maybe, yeah. 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 What's what's <laughs> the what's the crappiest tune of all time? Don't no. Go on. Go on. I'm looking you in the eye right now, go on. Um do you know what? I'm not gonna slag off any pop or rope, but do you know that bloody country rhythm song? It's it's a song that Fortet's been playing loads recently. Um and loads of people have been copying him. I think Fortet was playing it as a joke. Um and now everyone plays it and it's like a really, really bad song. 
But I don't know. I feel like it could be your vibe. Me? Oh, classic. <laughs> classic. Yeah, probably. Wait, no, I'm not slugging off your DJ at all. I just feel it's like fine. you love everything. I'll have a listen. I'll let you know. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's like a dubstepy weird vibe. But yeah, maybe another crap song. What's your worst song? What's my worst song? Um... I know, I know my best mate's one, um, Johnny, who you met at Park Life. You know that song that's like, once I was seven years. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> he, he hated song. it. So, and he, he told me he hated it. So I just used to play it all the time just <laughs> I to think, piss him off. I that's a good call, though, for a bad yeah, song. That is the, that one. Once I was seven oh, like, years old. Like one of Ed Sheeran's. I like Ed Sheeran and I love his old stuff. But Castle on a Hill, I'm oh, not a fan of. Yeah. Ben. Yeah. I also think. Party rock anthem. <gasps> Party rock is in the house. No, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. That's a hot take. <laughs> I don't know about that one, guys. I get it, but I don't like it. Objectively. I'm with what that. about Gangnam Style? <gasps> <laughs> that's in the bin as well. Have you ever seen like him do that live? <laughs> no. It's absolutely wild. Like Everyone's like jumping and going like... Oh. It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> and the whole crowd's like, bump, bump, bump. Oh, you'll have to see a video. It's is great. your next set going to be Gangnam Style live PA from Psy? And everyone's going to be, is that his name? Yeah. yeah. I would love that. Live PA. I don't think I ever would do that though. <laughs> <laughs> I would. That would be, I'm imagine do I would opening, do it for the opportunity. I'm yeah. opening up my Instagram app and being like, what the fuck <laughs> happened at Boardmasters? Why is Meg Ward with Psy? <laughs> my new besties if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) he is obviously oh Meg love you (laughs) I love you thank you thanks for coming on thanks for having me is that it yeah that's it so you want it to be is is there more (laughs) is that it (laughs) it? (laughs) we've just sat and listened to you for an hour (laughs) ungrateful (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean you happy is there anything else you want to you want (laughs) Do you want us to cook you a meal? (laughs) Utopia Talks is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.